Good morning. Good afternoon. I'm Bill Connor, and you reached reached the Digital Shop Talk Radio, where we gather on Wednesdays at 12 o'clock Central to um, share all things about the digital shop um, with our panelists and our our people that are listening in. Today, I'm here with um, Jim Krell, owner K&O Automotive or K&O Auto. Welcome. I believe this is the first time we've had you on here, but we're going to go ahead and get a lot of good information out of you today. David Saline, VP of Sales for Drive. Um, I believe we've had him on um, an earlier episode, and welcome back, Dave. Um, good to have you here. It's plus, Autobotos, cool. And plus, we got Autobotos founder, founder Uwe Kleinsmith here with us today. So good the morning. digital shop interaction has been uh, creating lots of new opportunities for service advisors to educate and build trust with their customers, and that, that's a very powerful thing to do. So join us today for a discussion about profitable growth by focusing on customer interactions. So what are these key interactions to define um, during the service visit? How do you measure progress when it comes to improving these customer interactions? What is the best practice to implement change in your shop? So what are some examples of the best practices, the advantages and pitfalls that you might run into along the way? As always, teamwork is required in the shop to provide, provide the best results. In this episode, you're going to take away tips to improve service advisors' processes by focusing on customer interactions in your shop. As always, you'll learn from our guest panelists and industry pros who operate or work with shops just like yours. So, Uwe, as always, if you wouldn't mind getting us started on this um, topic, we'd certainly appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, David, for joining. Um, I have to admit, this is one of my favorite topics um, because on the one end, it's not easy on, and then requires a change of habit. And as we all know, this is just difficult. <laughs> we are creatures of habit. And on the other hand, if implemented, no, I shouldn't say if, when implemented, <laughs> It, it, it pays off big. And, um, and I'm glad we are um, making that the topic today. And, and, and let me say a little bit more in detail um, what we're talking about. Education of customers, meaning motorists, is a big deal. And that's nothing new, you know. There were times when you took the customer to the car in the back of the shop and showed them. And that was a, a very powerful thing. And, and um, we replace it now with digital assets and it's not just an auto repair shop, which follows that trend. You know, everybody who has gotten used to Amazon or other online ways of purchasing products or now even services um, knows it's super convenient and I'm now getting my data, my information, my education from that online space. And, and why is that so dramatically different? If we go into a service advisor's practice before the digital interaction took hold a lot was through the phone 
and still is. But I, as a customer, I have over the last years more and more gotten used to to educate myself on my timeline and my control, or as Bill uh, used to phrase it, I want to buy and not be sold. So the more I'm on the phone with somebody under certain constraints, I'm in a business meeting, I'm, you know, wherever I am, whatever I do, and, and, and I'm not in control of my education and my timeline, I might not do what's best for my car. Or, or to put it extreme, if you imagine you're on Amazon, you're browsing your product, and after you're on the same page for 30 seconds or, or a minute, the phone rings and there's an Amazon sales guy trying to sell you the product you're browsing. <laughs> You know, that would be a very weird experience, right? And um, because we just have gotten used to um, to not pick up the phone, but, but find the information we need to make a decision online, right? And, and the digital inspection results and the digital results of a test or diagnose diagnosis or anything right falls into the exact same category and long story short there is a switch especially for a service advisor to hold back and spend the time on editing the pictures send them out and watch the interaction the digital interaction in, in our case on the other vitals tvp where you see how many seconds has the motorist already re researched the inspection results and, and, and then wait for the call in instead of calling out, right? Or calling out after 20 minutes of no interaction, right? So, so that's a completely different process. And, 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 and a lot of service advisors, um, you know, are so, um, how do I say that? Are so surprised the moment they do the other process, how much time they gain. That's another effect, a side effect of, of this, right? It, it sounds like more work in the beginning because you have to mark up pictures, but you have explained on the phone in the past is now you use that time to mark up pictures, right? You show on a picture what's wrong with the car and uh, and how to fix it and why, right? So you do that more in a digital way. And, but then you, you all of a sudden you realize, dang, it's, I can actually talk to more customers at the same time because you don't talk, you mark up pictures instead. Okay. I, I talked way too much, um, <laughs> but that, that you can see how passionate I am about this because it took us, I don't know, Bill, what, four years, three years to all discover this and measure. It was an ongoing and discovery process for sure. And the interesting thing is, is Dave has actually, or Jim has actually been with us along the paths, you know, since, you know, or late in 2014. So he's seen a lot of these changes and 
um, you know, discoveries that went along the way. And as I was talking with him earlier, like in the prep call, um, along the way, they got kind of comfortable where they're at. And then they didn't go ahead and, and maybe explore some of the new tools that are available as we've made these discoveries. So um, today, you know, as we go forward, you know, hopefully we can identify some, some of the, using some of the data, you know, just exactly what's going on. But I guess we'd really like to hear a little bit from, from Jim, you know, about his journey. And then um, we'll get some feedback from, from Dave also. Right. Yeah. And, and that's definitely true. We're guilty of getting started with the system and being comfortable with it. Um, you know, there's no doubt about it. You know, like they always saying, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words and the customers love them, but we're just, you know, I'm not an expert. I'm actually throwing myself in the frying pan here for everybody to uh, kind of open up and get better myself. Uh, you know, that coming back to being with auto vitals for so long that, you know, when, and it's our own fault, you know, because we get the notifications of the updates and stuff. So we need to get in and update our system and get trained on using it so that we can make those edits to the photos better, quicker, you know, right. because we're kind of behind the curve on what's new as far as doing the editing on the photos. Uh, we've had our texts, but just like Bill was saying here and talking before we went live, there's some easier steps to making that happen, you know, so that just makes it easier for everybody else. And then, you know, it's like you get the picture, you know, if somebody send me a picture of a operation, you know, they're cutting somebody open, I wouldn't know what any of that stuff is in there. But if somebody was to circle something and point it out, you know, I think we're guilty as being in the automotive industry that we assume everybody knows what they're looking at on that photo. So, you know, the pointers and the circles and the stuff like that. And I just have to get it across to my service advisor manager, you know, the points of that and how it makes the picture talk more to the customer. And, and I, if I, if I may, I, I want to just say it's not just auto repair, right? Real estate has now embraced this digital assets describing, and and, and believe it or not, I live in a high uh, fire prone area. We are now using the inspection to inspect the fire defense and protection level of houses, right? So we can, as a community, decide. Um, what needs to be done. So we are not, you know, in case of a fire unprepared and and because there's nothing worse than, you know, one house becoming the source of a devastating fire in the community, right? And, and it, it goes all across our experience now that we, that we look at stuff on the phone, videos and images. And as you said, they, they say more than a thousand words, but if we are unable to put ourselves in the layman's head, they look at it and say, what is this now? <laughs> I know yeah, so this picture speaks a just... thousand words, but it speaks a different language than what the customer does yeah. for sure. Well, there's a couple of things and I just, I've been kind of quiet here listening and I listen to Jim and Bill and, and Uwe talk every, but the thing about it is, is there's, 
there's a basic concept, you know, running a business would be so simple if you didn't have to deal with customers or employees, <laughs> you know, and that's what we're talking about on two sides of this right here is the customers and the employees. Yep. And I'll, I'll just break the first one down with the customers. It starts long before you send those pictures to the customer. Um, when you're telling them what's wrong with the vehicle and pointing pointers on there, which all needs to be done. But the process with the customer starts a lot earlier, and that's when they drop the vehicle off or that first phone call comes in. And it's setting their expectations. And if you take those couple minutes at the beginning to talk to your customer and say, look, we're going to send you pictures of everything we find on your car. We'll break it down. It'll make you inform you. And then you can let us know, respond back by email, text, you know, or phone call on what you want. So if you set those expectations at the beginning with the customer and they expect it, then you're not waiting and wondering at a phone. They know when they get it you're expecting a response back because that could be another piece of this puzzle in there. And then the other part that I heard Jim say is training your team. We are so big at a drive on training, 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 everything you can train. And there's, believe it or not, there's 30 different styles of training that a person could actually do with an individual. And one of those training styles will work and the other 29 probably won't. So it's also knowing your employees, what type of training they respond to, and how do you get the point across and get them into agreement to do what you need them to do? Yeah, for me, for getting the agreement and getting them to do it is coming up with some sort of game, you know, uh, you know, run a game. It's just like when we we're with the tablet, you know, and we wanted to go to everybody sending notes, you know, no verbal communication and communicating back and forth on the tablet. So it's written, there's a record, you know, it's like, so I did a game. I'm like, okay, who can go the longest without talking? You know, <laughs> who can go the longest without talking? You'll win 50 bucks. And there was one guy who went three and a half days. But in that big game, everybody got kind of used to doing it and they bought into it. And they're like, okay, you know, so, you know, just create some type of a game to make it fun too. Yeah, we had, we had quite a bit of um, diverse shop owners on the podcast and, and, and everybody has a, a different idea, right? You know, Brittany, I remember she lets her staff sign those agreements right so there is a clear it's not just on song we're going to tell you what you do from now on right they sign it and get reminded in every meeting right uh, rebecca created a hundred day behavior change game just to your point right it had nothing to do with the tablet and digital it had to do with change a habit in your life, whether it's weight loss or something else, right? Because in the end, it comes down to, are we ready to make a change in our behavior to reach the common goal, right? That, that is what it comes down to. And that's hard. And, um, but it can be fun, as you said, uh, turning it into a game. And, and the beauty about what we can offer is basically we measure in the business control panel exactly that behavior. And so there is no excuse possible, right? And I don't know, Bill, whether that's the right time to talk about those. Um, 
Yeah, so um, it certainly is. Um, let me go ahead and open that up. And while I'm open up, I'm just thinking about what you said there. How do we gamify this? So, you know, in order to go ahead and get the customer to go ahead and view the inspection and, and show value to it. So a game might be uh, for a service advisor, you know, whoever has the most motorist research time, because we know that the drop-off conversation had to be good because now it's a permission-based inspection and the customer knows that it's their job to look it over and then call afterwards. So, um, you know, there's definitely ways that we can gamify it. One of the things you guys are talking about over here, whether everybody realizes it or not, is it's called change management. And there's actually, we provide workshops for it, but there's a lot of research done on change management in your company. And you know, the funniest thing about it, and I'm not trying to get off the topic too much, but most companies make the decision to do something different in their business. The boss makes a decision on Tuesday, then implements it on Tuesday, but tells the employees on Thursdays and expects them to follow through right out on Friday. And it violates every step of change management. So when you're talking about change management and getting people to change their habits and do things, because this is what this whole thing's about is changing your employees' habits and your customers' habits. But it's that first step is to have the open communication. This is a change that we want to make. Give me your input. What are your thoughts? Give me your agreements. Give me your disagreements with it. Because if you have an employee that disagrees with anything that you put in place, it's never going to get followed they're not going to, they're not going to follow it. So get their agreements. And sometimes you'll find, you'll get feedback from them. That is a better way of doing it than what you thought you, the plan you laid out. So, but once you get your employees agreement on it, then you issue a policy. And I heard that mentioned there is writing it down, putting it in policy, having them sign off on it. Then you ask them to follow the policy. If they violate the policy, you reissue it to them. And it's accountability, a communication, an agreement. If you get all of those pieces in place, these changes happen really quick. So yeah, here what we're I, doing is, go Bill, ahead. Bill, I, I, want, I want to comment on it. There, there might be cases, and it's not unusual that the initial feedback for a big change is negative, right? We heard this a lot. Oh, we have never done it this way. And what's the reason why we should do it now? Right? So it's, there will be hesitance, even if there's agreement, there will be hesitance because it's a change in behavior. And especially under time pressure to change something is hard. It's super hard. Right. And, and so that's why the gamification is, is, is a good thing and patience, right? Setting goals too high can backfire. Setting goals too low is not going to create the change, right? So where is the right um, middle ground? And I think the best way to achieve that is just have the team sign up for the middle ground, you know, ask them, what do you think we can achieve in one week, in one month, in, right? and then get the feedback. And that feedback will show you also how far apart they are from each other, because one says, we're going to conquer the world in half a day, and the other one is going to say, um, it'll take us a year, right? And then you can negotiate. And, and, and bring them in. Um, and that's, that can be fun too. 
Bill, shall we? So what we're doing here is we're looking at a example shop here. And what we're doing is looking for opportunities for improvement with the existing staff, if that makes sense. And having talked to the owner, we know that they would like to go ahead and increase weekly revenue and they'd like to increase arrow at the same time. So we're looking to see what we have to work with. And here we can see that really they're doing a really good job. They're inspecting a lot of the vehicles that, that come through the shop. So that's a good thing. And now we're going down a little bit further and we're looking to see are the pictures on the inspection that goes to the customer being edited. So not so much in this particular case, but we look a little bit further down and we can see the technicians are supplying the service rider with a lot of pictures. So it may be that they're all required or it may be overwhelming for the customer. And then we look down a little bit further to see how the customer is receiving that information. And they're looking at all, all the inspection results for an average 152 seconds, which is extremely low. So again, this is exercises about finding opportunities. And then, you know, what do we work with in the shop? We move down a little bit further on the list and we can see that the technician, for whatever reason, even though they're doing a large amount of inspections, when it comes to spotting needs that are built into the inspection sheet, we can see on average that they're only seeing about four things that need service across all the vehicles. And we're in an all make and all model shop. So we're wondering why, you know, is it the way the inspection sheet is built? Maybe they need to work together as a team to do some updating here to um, get it done. And, you know, kind of what's in it for the technician is on average, if we're having 1.8 hours per repair order that go through the shop, we can see by working together as a team, how we can grow that up and eliminate busy work for both the technicians and the service advisor, if that makes sense. So my question is, is that looking at the data here, I see some opportunities, but you know, Jim, are you seeing the same opportunities? And Dave, you know, is this something that, that this shop can agree is something that there's opportunity there and we need to figure out a way to go after? Oh, yeah, there's definitely opportunity there and we need to come up with a plan to fix it. So, Well, there are a couple things that I see on there. You definitely got opportunities in there and you got habits that are going on over there when you you know you look at it and say okay are we sending too many pictures or not marking enough up on the pictures you know i would refer to you guys at auto vitals because you know the data you have the analytics behind it what means and what this goes on but there's also the other piece of the picture too how often are these customers coming into the shop if it's uh if there are a lot of quick lubes and they're coming in every 30 days or 60 days for a quick lube and it's a newer car are you going to really expect all of the upsells that you can on there so there's a lot of variables that i think you have to take the whole picture into it and i ain't saying that this isn't demonstrating the whole picture i'm just saying this is a piece of the puzzle and it's a great benchmark to start setting and looking at with your employees and saying how can you make this better over here but also looking and seeing what are the what are the reasons why some of these numbers are low and that's true we do run a fast loop with our shop also um it used to be worse because we were price point down low so we were getting the wrong clientele uh we have 
in the last six months raised our prices on our oil changes and kind of got rid of some of the bottom feeders, if I say that. Um, you know, and we do inspect them all. And, uh, you know, we train our loop guy to do a thorough inspection. And there's some of them that do convert to good tickets, you know, or we have the opportunity to market to them down the road. And, and another thing, too, is we're in a real rural area. We're in a, our town's like a population of 2,100 people, you know. So, you know, we do fairly well, uh, but, you know, like I say, there's room to improvement. You know, if we bring that average RO up to where it's supposed to be at, you know, 470, 468, that's a huge change in revenue. And for everybody across the board, employees, owner, you know, everybody. So it's a benefit to fix it and help everybody in the, and the teams. So, so, so and, what and really I, the interesting, go ahead. Really, the interesting thing is, though, is that when you go ahead and look at today's prices, we're only talking about to get a bump in, you know, $100 per repair order, an extra half hour, and related parts in some cases, sometimes even less than that. So, you're not asking for, you know, huge gains. You're just asking for, change over time that can be measured trending in the right direction, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, we're, we're right there. You know, we're right there knocking on the door and we just need to get over the hump. And it is just the communication out front with our customers. You know, we're not getting those edits done and, you know, getting everything through. So I need to go through and relook at the whole system, even to the message it's sending with the inspection and stuff. So. You know, I just so, hearing the pieces of this and not to interrupt on here, but you're talking about interaction with the customers and stuff like that. The digital part of it is a big factor on that. And I see all the benefits for it. The time savings, the explaining to customers, the research that they do, explaining things easier. But there's a fundamental thing when it comes to customers. And, and I'm just going to use Jim, you as an example over in a small town of 2,100 people. Um, you know, I don't know what you run through the shop on an average over there, but if you ran 3000 cars through the, the shop in a year, that means probably each of your, each person in your town is visiting your shop at least once, if not twice a year, but in a small town environment, your service advisors are your face. They're the people up there, the point I was going to get to, and in a small town, they have to see these people not only at the shop, they have to see them in the grocery store, at the park, at the school and everything else. So they got to be sure that they're in communication, they're well liked, they come across well, they have good communication, they're outgoing, because it's not their only interaction in the small town. Now in bigger towns, you go to LA, you probably service a car, a vehicle, the service writer talks to the customer, shows the pictures, does everything, does the sales process, and the chances that they would run into that customer out on the streets at a later day, two days down the road is very, a lot less likely than in a small town. So I just try to say, keep those things in mind when you're thinking about this, the personality of your person of the service advisor, how they interact with the customer, their communication ability, not just with the digital platform, but in person and over the phone too, all take into effect of what your average RO can be. Yes, for sure. So so I guess you're saying it would be a good thing if we go ahead and, and save the customer time or the service rider time by getting well-edited pictures to the customer and then repurposing that time to go ahead and create a better customer experience, 
you know, build that relationship with the customer. So now we're with service writers, instead of spending all their time selling over the phone, we're letting the digital platform go ahead and, and educate the customer and the service writer can spend more time working on the customer experience, so to say. Exactly. And what, and I'm, I'm trying to put the right words in there, but I'll give you an example. Customer comes into the shop, they have an oil change done, maybe you do a brake job on the car. You notice that there's a few things that were not uh, emergency level where they had to be done right now. It's something, okay, this can be done a little later down the road. You send out a service reminder to the customer. Now, if you're really on top of your game as a service advisor, you knew that the last time the customer came in, you did the brakes and the oil change, they were taking their family on a vacation to Disneyland. They were driving across country. You let them get back from their their vacation. You sent them a reminder on this. But when you're doing the reminder, you put a personal note to it. How was your trip to Disneyland? If you're focused on that, not on what the repair was or the pictures of it, I'm saying focus on the pictures and mark them up and everything, but connecting with that customer. Because if I told you, how was your trip to Disneyland? And by the way, have you had a chance to go check out what's happened on this inspection over here? And we found this. Do you want to take a look at that? It's more personal than just saying, hey, this is this is David from ABC. We sent you an inspection report. Did you take a look at it and see how it looks? We need to get that fixed on your car. So on my screen here, you've got an example of, you know, a lot of shops, you know, they, they've got kind of they've been using auto bottles for a long time or other digital inspection platforms. And we see stuff like this go out to the customer on inspection reports. And this takes a lot of words in explanation by the service advisor to go ahead and explain. So to me, sending a customer a picture like this is to the equivalent of walking a customer out to the bay, not telling them anything about what's going on, not pointing it out and hoping they absorb the information, which is just kind of um, doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, on that particular picture that you put up there, Bill, on that, this is another great example. Timing belt, throw an arrow on there, show the frayed belt on there and everything else. And then when you when you follow up with the customer, if they don't call back in, if you were my customer, I would be say, hey, wait a little while. You know the time you say 20 minutes is what I heard you guys say. Wait 20 minutes after you send it and everything else. If I called you up and said, hey, Bill, um, I just wanted to one touch base with you, but we didn't get a chance to talk earlier. How'd your vacation go? And then when you answer that question for me, by the way, I sent you a couple pictures of your timing belt. You can see that it needs replaced. Do you want to go ahead and authorize it? You know, those conversations change when you're using the pictures and marking them up. I agree 100% with what you're saying there. Mark them up and do this. But use that time to build that personal connection with the customer, because if you do that, they're going to be repeat business and they're going to keep coming back and it's going to be a lot easier. We all know that the shops have the customers that walk in, throw the keys on the counter, say, fix it, build my credit card, call me when it's done. Well, those take time to build and it's through that personal connection and that trust factor that you build with them that they they do that. And so this is an example where we're talking about to where the service rider and technicians have worked together to create the same experience a customer would have if they were in the shop. They've used an arrow to point to it, and they've added the words down here saying your axle boots seep in inspection and, and make repairs as needed. So, again, you know, we're using this to go ahead and recreate that same experience that we would have had, you know, if the customer was in the shop. 
And we can free up that time with the customer to go ahead and do that. Um, we talk about, you know, customer interaction. One of the things that, you know, is really good for a service advisor to do is when a customer calls in after they looked over the inspection report, as an example, don't ask them if they've seen the inspection report. You might go ahead and talk a little bit about their, their life, as, as Dave was talking about there. But then the question should be, uh, ma'am or sir, what did you think about X or Y that's on the inspection sheet? And go ahead and get them into the conversation. You actually know that already, whether they looked at it through the customer yep. or the motorist research time. So you can actually tailor how you talk on the phone. And, and I think we, we shouldn't, how do I say this? Um, there's a great saying, transparency is the new currency of trust, right? So it, it's not replacing the talks about family and football. It's allowing by switching the time which used to be used on the phone to explain by hand waving what's wrong with the car, putting that in the digital education and freeing up some time to do the family and football talk, right? It's a combination of the two. And, 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 even, and even when the communication is in the digital assets, that's still the same service advisor talking, just not on the phone, right? It's not some virtual service advisor pulling up a link from Google, you know, and, 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 and just uh, transferring facts. It's still the same service advisor pointing out, here's what we found on your car. And our recommendation, as Bill showed it on the picture, is to take care of it. And, and that empowers the customer in, in an unprecedented way, right? They're not being talked into it on the phone while they were in the business meeting or, right? There's, there's a certain pressure component, sales pressure and otherwise, we completely eliminate by, by creating this process and and the cherry on top so to speak is if that process is made clear at drop-off everybody knows what's coming but actually are waiting for the text yeah. with the inspection results right be with you a hundred percent and like i said i'm not saying that you're not going to have to talk about these repairs with some customers but what you're doing is you're shorten that time and you can make your sales process a lot easier. And I agree with everything you're saying because the sales process becomes, it's not a sale. It's you're just Education. now building that as you're doing a quick, you already educated the customer with the pictures. And now you're just calling up and saying, look, okay, you got our message. I see you got time to look at it. Um, do you have any questions about it? Because these repairs are necessary to keep your car safe, reliable and uh, on the road. Um, do you want us to go ahead and repair them? 
then they're going to give you any other objections that they have. And your time's better focused on handling their price objections or yep. the other objections, their time. Usually it's one or two objections with a the customer. It's either the price or the time it takes to do it. And if you're prepared and know how to handle those two objections with the digital inspection that's already showed them that they need the repair, you're not tell, showing them, you don't have to sell the repair. The repair is already sold. Now you're handling right. their price or time objection that they got to handle and you hand, you focused on that. And, you know, as a service provider, I'll give you an example. If a customer says, well, you know, I really don't have the time to fix it. Okay, maybe I have loaner cars at my shop that I may give out. Or maybe I find out that the time is that they don't have time to drive to my shop, and drop it off before they go to work. So maybe I say, hey, look, if you can get here, I'll get you an Uber to work or something like that. There's th so many solutions to handling those things. And if your service advisor is actually handling the true objection and not trying to sell the job, if yep. that makes sense. No, it makes total sense. That that is that is what the saying encapsulates, right? We want to buy and not be sold. The moment we want to buy, then the decision has been made. Uh, you 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 explained that perfectly. So um, authorizations I, that come from education have really put the co consumer in the position that they're buying. Number one, and number two, because it's an educated decision, it takes the buyer's remorse out of it later on. Yep. Thank you. Um, Jim, if, if I may, how are we doing on time? I, I would go to maybe the next step. What would be your educated guess why the picture editing is 1.4%? Is it because car count is so high that it basically doesn't give the service advisor enough time or, or, or other or maybe rephrase my question. What would your service advisor say if you ask that question? Why is the editing just 1.4%? <laughs> well, I asked them before I got on this because I said, oh, uh, you guys are cool. setting me up for, a, uh, instead of being a spotlight, I think it's going to be a roast. So, uh, and uh, so they say it's at least 30% of them are getting edited. Um, oh, I'm like, okay. Number. I says, well, that's not what it's showing. So I guess from my point, you know, I know we're doing the presentation, you know, getting agreement to do the inspection and getting agreement to send the inspection. And that was also my next question is, okay, how many are we getting sent? And he goes, I send every one of them, you know, but I know there's a concern there with the time to edit the inspections. Um, you know, I got one guy that kind of just takes everything on his shoulders and he thinks he's got to do everything. So he needs mm -hmm. to let go. It's some stuff we've been working on, you know, that I've learned through drive and stuff to recognize this, that, you know, he needs to let go and not try to just do everything and free up some more of his time to do that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it, it's just, we need to do it. You know, we think we're doing it. We're sending the inspections. I know we looked at our scent rate and that was off, but we had a problem with a QC inspection that was being included mm -hmm. in that. So we'll see how that comes, um, you know, and we need to look at the uh, amount of recommendations on a vehicle. You know, that's another thing we have. I do what we do. I'll take a car 
and I have every tech do an inspection on that car. And then I compare the inspections to see, you know, are we getting a thorough inspection? I look at, okay, this guy recommended this, this guy recommended this, this guy recommended this, and then we'll go over that in a meeting. And, you know, when you do that, that kind of brings back that, oh, okay, I got to pay attention to what's going on here. You know, people are actually actually, at actually you know, um, Neil Daly, I think, was a, um, he took that to another level. He not only let the technicians do the inspection on the same car, and they weren't supposed to share the findings with each other. He also estimated every one of those inspections. Yeah. And then they compared in the end how much money was left on the table. No, that's good. Right? But, by some of the technicians. So it's a, again, we're talking gamifying, right? And, yeah. and that opens eyes, you know, which might not have been open before. Um, the other thing I want to mention is, and I don't know, I'm just guessing. Um, but sometimes when the time pressure um, encourages taking shortcuts, you could I, and I, I don't know whether that's the right thing. I'm just spitballing here. You could take your inspection sheet and and put that in two inspection sheets. Not literally, it's still the same. But if you have a lot of oil changes, you only do a portion of the inspection sheet, present it to the customer and get permission to do the rest. If that makes sense, that takes the pressure out, right? Because the initial concern is taken care of with the oil change, right? And the, and the inspection is pretty short. But then you present the customer and gain permission and more time. If that makes any sense, right? Yeah, so yeah, that, that makes sense. But how do you present just half of it or part of it? Um, so they just go over part of it. Yeah, yeah, so there are different schools of thought, right? Some make it a fixed uh, portion of the inspection sheet, focusing on the safety items and, and on the items where you don't have to take stuff off, right, to, to find it. Um, others say um, basically find something which presented to the customer is going to sway the customer to say oh yeah please i need the whole thing i need the whole comprehensive health inspection from you right so you just you, you, and again i don't know i'm just saying that because shops who have a lot of quick loop work basically are better um faring when they treated like two different shops in their head, right? You have like a lane with a quick loop and then yeah. you have a lane with a repair. And if the car is in the quick loop, you find ways of moving it to the repair by getting the agreement from the customer and presenting what you found. Right. Just just throwing that out. And we do have an oil change inspection. So like say, oh, we don't perfect. try to have waiters, we try to get them to drop it off, you know. Of course. I hate that quick loop terminology, but uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> we have a quicker inspection that is just for the 
the absolute part of it, but very rarely do we see it. They're pretty good about getting agreement to do the full inspection. So, but okay, so a lot of shops then, are they find the service advisors always feel that they're under a time crunch, and so yeah. a lot of times the best thing to do is kind of what we talked about before we got on here today, uh, Jim, is to go ahead and have your service advisors and technicians work together to build the notes and stuff into the inspection sheet. So that way it provides a consistent verbiage for the customer and it's touch friendly for the technician. So all they may have to do is choose a condition, maybe verify the job that it needs to produce, snap a picture and drag an arrow onto it and everything else is done. And then the service writer, all they have to do is accept it and estimate it. So that's one of the beauties of Protractor, the way it's actually designed and other point of sales that we integrate with is if the inspection sheet is tied to the service packages or operations in the POS, basically it can be almost build the repair order in a way that's consistent no matter who does the inspection. Right. You know, there's a and that's what I'm hearing is that the techs are doing most of the editing, you know, what I found out this morning. Um is what they're doing on the markers and stuff on the photos. So. so there's a couple points here that I was just here listening and we're talking about time crunches. And if the service advisor feels they're under a time crunch, I will almost guarantee that 90% of that time crunch is created by the service advisor themselves. And why I say that is examples are, is you can tell a customer, drop your car off at 10, it should only take an hour. And what's the customer expecting? They're expecting to bring their car in at 10 and have it back at 11. Or if you say, bring it on, drop it off in the morning and we'll get to you and we'll give you a call later in the afternoon and let you know when it's done. And both of those are acceptable and most customers will accept dropping it off in the morning, hear back from you on the afternoon when, when, I know, when you know something and setting the expectations. Like I said, when we started this conversation off, setting the expectations of the customers from the beginning. I, I seen a shop and I won't say where it was or anything else, but we seen a shop one time that was scheduling all their work like a doctor's office. And every 15 minute intervals, they had cars coming in and being dropped off. And, and of course, your service advisor is not thinking about it, but they're up there and saying, oh, it'll take a couple hours to get this job done. It's about a three hour job. It's about a four hour job. When they say that, they just set an expectation with your customers that in four hours, my car is going to be ready. So it's so service advising is like playing service advisors like playing <laughs> soccer or football. As soon as you get the ball in your court, you better go ahead and look for some open space. A lot of it. Yeah, no, so no, no, David, said David, we agree on your analysis. Um it's it's mostly caused by the by the service advisor, the the, the time crunch. Um and 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 I want to go back to what Bill said. Jim, the fact that the number of canned jobs on the inspection sheets are relatively low with the analysis, there might be an opportunity just to start with, go through your inspection sheet and find where more service packages, as Protractor calls the canned jobs, can right. be applied, which saves the service advisors time, big time. And, and the second thing he mentioned it, I hope I am interpreting the right bill is what we call the guided mode, which takes the inspection to another level where basically 
assuming you can pre-configure per condition, meaning what's wrong with the car, what motorist language is going to show up as an image caption and as a node, right? right. So that that takes a, that takes a lot of work initially, but it pays up big because all the technician literally does is what Bill said: take a picture, move the arrow with a with a finger, and done. And then combined with the canned jobs, you can reduce the inspection time for the tech and the estimating time for the service advisor significantly. Right. So that's yeah. another. It, another idea yeah and another point too is getting these edits and messages on the pictures is it's helping your because we have a another guy the manager or i have another guy in back that i'm training to do this you know uh trying to take some of that pressure off so we're building that guy but my girl that's a service advisor she doesn't know you know and those markers and those notes on the pictures are going to help her you know, yes. we hired her from Dairy Queen. She makes blizzards, but she's a great people person. She does a great <laughs> job. You know, she gets it right behind you. And she needs that assistance to help her because she could look at that picture you showed earlier where the rim's rubbing on the strut, and she's not going to know that there's anything wrong. This is well, your opportunity. Okay. Well, I was going to say, not only opportunity was what Jim just described to you is that I hope if any shop owners listening right here is I hear it all the time. I can't find the right service advisor. I can't find a salesperson. They don't know the automotive industry. But with this system here, if you set it up right, your techs are using it right and everything's being done right on it, you can go pull that people person out of a, a, a kiosk in the mall. You know, you know, how many yep. people of an automotive auto shop think when I walk through the mall and that guy that keeps trying to pull me into that kiosk in the middle of the mall, should I offer him a job as a service advisor? My my suggestion to that is yes, they are people persons and they have no back off. If they can pull people into a kiosk walking in the middle of the mall, imagine how they can interact with your customers. They may not know the automotive industry, but this system can help them through that process. But so Jim, Dave, Dave just Bill, if I may, they're perfectly placed because they are the same layman as the motorists. They are the best the best person in the shop to put themselves in the motorist shoes, right? Nobody right. else, right? Yeah. Because everybody else knows too much, so to speak. And uh, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. <clears throat> well, I, I'll tell a quick story just on not take much on this, but Jim, you've probably heard this one, but I had a service advisor. I had shops years ago and I had a service advisor and we talk about, she knew nothing about automotive. She didn't know how to check the oil. I don't even think she wanted to pump, pump gas into her car. I think her husband did that for her, but she was that people person. And I heard a story, my toughest customer come walking in one day and he walks in and he's trying to negotiate deals and everything else. And this person basically said, she says, look, You've been coming to here years. You trust our work, don't you? Yes, I do. And I'm sitting here thinking with the digital inspection, if she would have had that with it, she could say, look, here's everything we found. Did you trust that? Okay, I trust that. And she goes, okay, we've always treated you right. Yes. Okay, well, I gave you the best possible price you could without being fired. You don't want to see me lose my job, do you? He's like, no. He goes, now, then, he, then she just asked him, so do you want to get the repair done? 
And he's like, yes. Now this process took less than five minutes with her. And I've seen other service advisors and myself spend half hour, 45 minutes with this customer. And that's why I go back to it. It's created by the service advisor and what we think they want to hear and what they really need to hear. Perfect example. So, so Jim Davis kind of writing you a prescription here and that he can go and follow up with you later on. That is work on your service advisors with the drop-off conversation. Make sure that not only is it a permission-based inspection, make sure the customer knows that it's their job to look it over and call. And then when they do call, ask them a few questions about what they seen or, or learned, number one. And number two is, I think he's defined you a team building exercise with your service writers and your technicians along the lines of working on your inspections to say, hey, technician, when you see a condition on a topic, what is that condition you normally see? And then what job do you expect at the results so that way you can get the protractor job embedded in his picture sheet? And then ask the technician, if the customer was at the car, what would you say? And add that to the customer notes and image caption. And now all of a sudden you're moving forward. And you could take it one step further because now you can do it a little bit at a time. Look for quick wins. Look for a topic that you guys can work together. Maybe work out one topic a day, just like vitamins and make you grow stronger. Choose one topic a day that's on every vehicle. It's got some labor time for the technician and so on and work on finishing out one inspection topic per day until they're all done and fully developed. And then you've got not only everybody's working together as a team, but if you bring in that, that customer service person from outside the industry, all the language they need is already built into it. All they have to do is, is pretty much follow some directions and keep working on the customer experience that, you know, you probably hired them for anyways, because they're warm, bubbly, and friendly. Yeah, for sure. And then it comes down to, it's just me not letting it happen and take caring of it, you know, get it straightened out and get it moving forward. So let's do a webinar in two months and see where we're at. That would be awesome. I, I want to add one more thing, which blew me away, how simply, simple it is but also how impactful send inspection reports to your spouses or family members, right? Outside of the staff members and let them explain to their husband, brother, or whatever spouse, this is what I see on the picture. That's gonna open light bulbs. You have no idea, right? right. Yeah. And, and it's and it's so impactful and it's not the boss talking right it is the loved one talking and it has a really amazing impact uh, i just wanted to throw that out um because so as as you do this jim what you're going to be looking for though is as you're working on the inspection sheets you can go ahead and define some canned jobs in there that you want for quick wins and you can measure that do approvals go up on that individual job number one do the number of recommended actions on average per inspection go up? And does the motorist research time go up? So you have a way, you've got a plan that you have, have in place. You decide whether to execute it or not. And now you have a way to measure it and go ahead and see, are you going in the right direction? And if it's not, then you don't go ahead and give up on it. You go ahead and remove whatever the barrier is and attack it from a different angle. Right. Yeah, we have to adjust and correct it. Well, you know, two, the, months, you can always, two, two months it is, Jim. Maybe two months is too short. I mean, I, 
you know, I, I want to caution you, you know, um, to not try to do two. One or two things at a time. That's it. Yeah, yeah. one. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and agree on the goals with your team. And yeah, I think it's just, it might tweaking, be three months, you know, just some tweaking and some key words that we're saying, you know, at drop off and stuff like that. And uh, so, you know, I'm just going to pick out some of the pitcher, pictures and I'm going to give them to Madeline, have them explain it to Charles so that he gets the vision of, oh, well, she doesn't even understand it. How is she going to tell the customer? You know, right. very good. Well, there, there, you know, the, the picture I got over here and I, I really like this conversation we had today because there's, there's one other picture to this, too. You can put all the systems and all the software into your business, but you still got to train your employees. And it's not just something that you you train them once and they learn it. It's an ongoing training. It's a continual piece. And if you if everybody listening on that just got that piece out of there, continually train, continually work on processes and continually keep up on it, because as you say, updates happen, things change, stuff like that. And that just doesn't go for just auto vitals. I've heard protractor thrown out there a couple times today. I'm sure their system's the same thing. And and I know that we have a representative from auto vitals coming up to drive expo here in three weeks. And we have a, they're going to, we're going to take that topic on. Are you using your technology to the max? We're going to have a whole workshop on that because it's, it's that important in the industry right now. No, it's a, Jim, and, and there's, there's another element I want to add to what David just said. It's not just the training of new features for developing muscle memory. If you, if your staff experiences that giving input changes their life for the better, like they get trained on a feature, for example, and then say, I would love to change the inspection sheet in this topic and in this topic and in this, and then it's done by the next day. All of a sudden, the training becomes a, a collaboration, right? It's not just a one-way street. He is how you do it. It is they get back to you and say, well, why don't we improve X? Why don't we improve Y? And then they basically become part of designing the best process for your shop and and once you once you have that combined with the training that that's that's super powerful and jim i know you realize this because you've had this happen but when the employee in your business comes up with the idea that you may have already presented it to them 10 different ways and they didn't but they they found a new way to bring it up and a new way to present it to you when it's their idea they embrace it and they follow it yeah yeah, for sure. So that's even so like, Jim, you, do you know, have ask them enough questions until they come up with the idea, even though you already know it, bring it to them and ask them questions after questions and input. And pretty soon they're going to stumble onto it. And, hey, that's a great idea. Let's do it that way. Exactly. Hey, Jim, do you have a, a top three list of things that you've learned today that maybe you want to implement yourself or you'd like to encourage somebody else that's listening to actually take hold of and actually put it in place? Well, I think the first thing is, because I've been with Auto Vitals so long, I've got comfortable with the stuff and haven't kept up on the changes and making sure that my employees see those changes and how to do things on the inspections with the editing and all that stuff. Um, 
you know, there I, you know, I need to work on that and how that can affect, you know, your average RO by getting those inspections right, pictures and stuff like that. So cool. So we've kind of run out of time here today. I'd like to thank both of you for joining us here today. Um, got lots of awesome information in there. And um, uh, Jim, if you'll uh, let us invite you back at a later date to go in and see your progress. Yep. I'd like to encourage you or other people that are listening to go to the Digital Shop Talk um, Facebook forum to go in and ask questions about, you know, maybe how to edit an inspection sheet or, or, or whatever the topic might be. Ask it in there because there's, you know, three or 4,000 people in there just like you that are more than willing to go ahead and help you. That's one of the things about this industry is, you know, your peers are very helpful. All the coaching companies like Drive here is an example. They're all here to help you. And I just like to encourage you to, you know, kind of ask questions, go on. So again, thanks for joining us here today. I'd like to uh, encourage people to go to autovitals.com forward slash radio. And there's now there's 181 episodes uh, of some really great information that's been shared by our panelists. Um, maybe share that link with a, another shop owner in your area and help bring them along also. So once again, thank you guys. Um, Uwe, you have anything you else want you want to add before we finish up here? I, I think your microphone's off. Yes, sorry. <laughs> I really enjoyed the discussion and, and I hope uh, Jim, you did too. There was no roasting. It was, it's all, <laughs> it's all opportunity, all opportunity. <laughs> Yeah, Those that yeah. put themselves out there, I'll always go ahead and benefit in the end if they yes. go ahead and in. Great. Yeah, just about getting better, being better. Yep. So, and uh, one last thing is thank you guys for inviting me onto the show today. And we want to extend an offer. We do have the Drive Expo, which Auto Vitals will be a big part of on August 25th through the 28th in Orlando, Florida. You can go to driveexpo.com. Um, all everybody from Auto Vitals and their viewers and shop owners out there, you're all invited. Just uh, if you want to get more information, go to the expo site, and we'd love to see you there. Awesome. So thanks Thank you, once David. again. Go out, once again. Go out there and make some money and, and wow your customers and and create a happy uh, staff in the meantime. Thank you guys. Yep. Thanks. <laughs>